Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Uh, This is Kaylin, and I am here with my friend Kyle Mercer. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kaylin. So great to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Great to see you. You know, this is actually take two. Uh, Yeah, we just started recording and had some tech issues. Uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, there's some weird tech stuff going on in the world right now, I think. So um, I'm glad that I'm glad that we can be connected and I can see your face for, you know, I think it's like the first time in over a year that I've seen your face. Yeah, this is great. (laughs) So Kyle is um, one of my friends in Los Angeles. Um, He's in one of my communities and um, he is the founder of Life at Altitude. And he has created a process, it's called the inquiry method, which I can say everybody in my circle of of friends knows about this and there's like a buzz about it. And so I can't believe I'm like, somehow I am friends with this man that is created. And, you know, Kyle is really, you know, I think. I think of Kyle as like one of the OG coaches, you know, coaching as an industry is fairly new. And so Kyle has been coaching and teaching since 1998. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, you are, you are, um, a coaching dinosaur. And, and I say that with, with like, with like, with reverence. Okay. Let's be clear. That's a compliment. Let's say T-Rex. How about? <laughs> he, yeah, he's, a, he's a coaching T-Rex. Um, he's written a few books. Um, one is stop parenting and the other one is life at altitude. And I think the biggest thing that, that Kyle, um, emanates in the world, he says, I talk to people and they feel better. <laughs> um, and for all the ladies out there, he is handsome, he is brilliant, and wildly single. <laughs> that was a joke I tagged on. There. Okay. But well, I, it's all true, of course. Kyle, you can't make jokes with me. Um, but, you know, and I want to, I always like to share just, uh, you know, my personal experience, um, of my guests and, you know, Kyle, who you are to me in the world, um, you are just, I just see you as, uh, like brimming. You're just like overflowing with love. Mm. And I learn something from you every time that we speak, you know, even as recently as last week or whenever that was, when I said, Hey, Kyle, do you want to be on my podcast? Um, I said something to Kyle like, hey, I'm having a hard time opening you up. 
And it came kind of as a, it landed like a complaint, you know, which is something I think we so easily slip into as women, you know, and, and, and um, Kyle reflected like, Hey, wait, what if you came from curiosity? And it's Mm. like, I know that, right. Especially as a coach, that is like my foundation. (laughs) And so I'm just so grateful to have a friend like you that could say something like that to me. And I will just never forget that, that Mm. lesson, you know, Mm. so simple. Um, So yeah, who you are to me in the world is curiosity. Thanks, Kaylin. (laughs) I mean, that that really is what inquiry method is about. And, you know, it's why it's so incredibly simple. Like in a short amount of time, I can really train somebody to let go of all those agenda things and just come from like pure curiosity. And I take people that have been in coaching training programs. I had one in my last training, I had somebody, I've been through four different coaching training programs and, you know, that cost tens of thousands of dollars and said, I never left feeling like I could coach. And, you know, in a, in a very short amount of time, she just said, this is amazing. I've never felt so confident about coaching because it's about not knowing anything rather than knowing something. And we're in such an expert based society and one that so makes you know, authority so important. And really the basis of coaching is lack of authority. It's it's like like you're saying, just pure curiosity. And the other side of inquiry method, I see coachability and coaching as just two sides of the same coin. If I can learn to coach well, I I also should be learning the quality of coachability, which mm-hmm. all I say is I don't know about you is coaching and you tell me something I said you know what's behind I mean basically all coaching could just be what's behind that what's behind that <laughs> but our egos as coaches want to demonstrate our knowledge so we keep saying well and how about this complex and how does that relate to your ego based or whatever you know and it's just so simple yeah wow I love that well so tell us um what, you know, in simple terms, what is the inquiry method? So I see inquiry method like um, it's it's a partner based process. Mm. And it's where one person is holding space for the other. You and I have been involved in OM, And I, one of the things I loved about OM is exactly what I teach. It's, you know, that's the that's the the um, partner, you know, orgasmic meditation i see inquiry method as as the same thing but just between two people is i'm really where i'm really interested in going what's going on with you and i'm carrying no judgment and i i just watch what's going on with you and respond to what's going on with with you with curiosity mm-hmm. and then instead of you trying to hold an agenda for yourself or trying to hold your identity or image or what you're used to projecting is then you surrender in to not knowing about yourself either. So it's like this co-discovery of this other, of the other person. Mm. And what it does is it, you know, as far as meditation, or I see it not only as something for coaching and coachability, but as a practice of setting identity and ego aside and recognizing who we really are. Mm. 
And I, I just feel like it's amplified. It's like 100x times sitting in meditation because there's something in the connection between two per people, me holding you, like if I'm if I'm coaching you or using, you know, holding the space for inquiry with you, is that what I'm saying, I'm not going to bring any judgment, just curiosity and wanting to understand and know. And I take the part of brain. And brain or mind is the part that controls our source or essence or what's really true for us. So it's very hard to do by yourself when you're using the same mechanism that has the limitation for you to try and find out what's hidden in you. <laughs> because it's the same part that is edited out your memory or understanding of what's hidden for you. So if I can create a safe enough and loving enough environment where you're willing to say, I don't know about myself, and I'm not even going to ask the questions or try to direct it, but just receive and, and become aware of what I'm experiencing in my body somatically, but also in my source and my feelings, is we're taking off the locking mechanism. It's like opening the door to the safe, because the door to the safe is the ego and identity. So if I can create it, if I can create enough trust and safety in you to let go of your protective mechanism, you have access to everything you've ever experienced, everything that you know but don't know about yourself. And that's where just magical things happen. Mm -hmm. And when I hold that space, I set aside all that junk that I carry about life and my judgments and even about myself and get to experience myself in that most loving source based place. And that's the place where genius and inspiration and brilliance and intuition all come from. So the more I practice that, it also maps over into other places in my life. Mm -hmm. And then inquiry is incredible in couples. It's incredible in sex. It's incredible in just meeting someone. It's incredible at the, like at the airplane counter. I mean, just a simple application. They say, your flight's been delayed. We're, we're going to have to cancel your ticket. A lot of people, you can't do this to me, da, 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 da. you know, all this pushback. Mm -hmm. And then the person resists and gets tightened up. But you just say, oh, if you use inquiry, oh, I didn't know that. Well, I really wanted to get there. What are the possibilities? Mm. If I say what is the possibilities, it engages a whole other person, part of that person than the part that wants to defend and protect. They go, all of a sudden, they ask, what are the possibilities? Mm. Well, I don't know. Well, I get, actually, there's this other flight that's leaving in five minutes that has a first class seat on it. We could just tuck you in there. And it's amazing how people, you know, it's just like this. I call it a panacea. It applies to business. There's a whole inquiry management, inquiry leadership program I've mm -hmm. developed. It's just, it's a panacea. It applies to everything. Yeah. Well, and what I hear in that is just the power of speaking from your highest and best speaking from that place to another person, like relating to them from their highest and best. That's and, and then just from total curiosity. And then from there, anything can happen. But I, I love the reminder that unfortunately, I think in our world, most people are speaking from fear and resentment. And then that hits the other person, you know, from what I would call their survival mechanism, you know? But, but also projection and judgment. Mm -hmm. When I'm coming from my egoic identity and I have knowledge, for instance, of psychology, I want to project my knowledge 
of psychology onto what's happening for you. Mm-hmm. And and I wouldn't necessarily highest and best. I, I say, you know, an inquiry, the stupidest person in the room wins. So <laughs> I say, when I'm doing inquiry, I have to be willing to be so stupid that I don't know about you. But how do you do that as a coach? You say, oh, I got to show you how much I know about you. But in inquiry method, I want to demonstrate how little I know about you. Like, what does that mean to you? Or what's important about that to you? Or what bothered you about what just happened? I I had this woman I was coaching and she called me up and she said, I'm so mad. My husband's having an affair. And so we want to project onto that. Oh, that asshole jerk, how terrible you must feel, all that kind of stuff. But in inquiry, I say, what bothers you about that? And she said, well, I had a chance to have an affair five years ago, and I didn't take it. <laughs> now we're into totally different conversations. Now we're having <laughs> a real conversation. Right. Yes, it's such, it's, like, it's, such a, um, it's such a relief to That's just be right. talking about the actual thing. Well, but if I say that that's so terrible, your husband's having an affair, now I'm projecting yeah. onto you and teaching you how you should feel about it. So then you end up feeling wrong for being mad and have to go around telling everybody about how mad you are about being betrayed. Rather than the totally. well, and it's like the thing, you know, I talk to women a lot about this and, you know, and teaching them intentionally about sisterhood. And one of the things that that I teach is, um, and that we've learned, you know, in our training is like, do not get on somebody else's ride. Like, (laughs) do not take the bait. (laughs) We're in your experience. They are in their experience. And there's a difference between holding space, right? And, you know, collusion or bringing in, like you said, your projection of like, oh, that's terrible. Right. But it's it's great to be interested about their ride. If, it, right. if they start to telling you my ride's like this, I say, oh, tell me more about oh. that. <laughs> What's that like? Well, oh God. I just I like I love this. Um, I just love this so much because it's like all these different modalities and you know how they meet up. And you know, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in right now is uh, like getting off. I've been working with Carolyn Elliott. Um, who's the author. I don't know if you know about her. She's I just read her book. Yeah. Oh my God. Author of Existential King. So I'm in a, a group program with her. Um, and so, as you know, you know, one of the things she talks about is like getting off on get, not getting what you want, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, the, I'm just making this connection right now, just the connection between like, just getting curious about it. Like, Oh wait, I didn't get what I wanted. Okay. What did I not like about that? Oh, is there something I did like about it? I don't know. Right. Exactly. That's so exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah, well, you know, I think I think, you know, I've heard it in a number of different places. She talks about it in the book, but it's certainly my experience. And I think it's really useful to say there's this idea of wanting or desire out in the future. I think it's much more useful to think of everything I have right now is a result of my desire or what I want. So like one of the things I've been working with, I just had this huge awareness yesterday or the day before. There's a way like of refinement down through layers, like anger, sadness, da, 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 da. But what I really discovered the other day was just fear. Mm. And, you know, I've come through so many different layers of this, of this inquiry within myself, you know, with other people's help, with my own help. 
I just recognized, you know, there's just all this fear and that I don't even have to name it, mm. but that I hold this fear right here, right up front so often. Mm-hmm. And the interesting question I'm working with right now, why is that what I want? And I was looking into that yesterday and I said, oh, I keep that fear here because I think it protects me. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it does, right? And I'm like, then yeah, I have to, <laughs> and then I'm asking myself, well, isn't that interesting? I actually want that fear. I, you know, and then I'm I'm looking into, you know, how would I have to, you know, there's the intellectual part. I say, oh, I don't want to have the fear, but that's not really where we're coming from, right? There's a more bait, or it would have been gone a long time ago, because I could say, no, I don't want any fear. But when I really feel into it through inquiry, I can say, wow. If I have that fear, I must want it. And that's essentially what Carolyn's saying. If yeah. I have that fear, I must want it. And and why would I want that fear? Oh, yeah. Or, or like or like we're we're saying that uh, I'm single. And I said, you know, well, if I'm single, I must want it that way. But why do I keep thinking I don't, right? <laughs> I think, oh, it'd be great to be in a relationship. But if it's true right now, it must be what I want. Why Why don't I want to be in a relationship? And then ultimately, what's my fear around being in relationship? So when we really get into inquiry, we can, you know, and drop all the the stories we have. Well, of course, I want to, you know, some people would argue, of course, I want to be in a relationship. But yeah. when I say, well, then it must, but we're not. So it must not, not be true. So so what's your real fear? Totally. Right? Or, yeah, or what's I, really behind that? And sometimes we get to what happened in the past or whatever, you yeah. know, the, well, and um, I love that you're just you're in this inquiry right now for yourself. And, and you know, I've been on a on a similar path, you know, just even uh, a couple of days ago, I texted a desire to a man and it was pretty vulnerable. Um, and then he didn't respond for three days. Right. <gasps> and I'm over here like, oh, my God, you know, my automatic wants to be like, I just was so generous with my desire why the fuck isn't he responding you know i want to just right. like all reactive right? and i but i but i at this point i've been in this work a while to know like okay let's just take a step back you know and when i looked at it i was like oh, i love yearning uh-huh. i i love yearning i love <laughs> uncertainty i love not knowing what's going to happen with this desire you know <laughs> right and so it's 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 real and now and then you know he actually responded and now we're in a conversation about the desire if he had responded right away he would have robbed me of that thing that like you know there is a a a side of me that freaking loves that right (laughs) (laughs) well there's that part that can get behind it but also when we're not in inquiry state of mind is we want to project our perception of it onto the other person. Oh, maybe they don't like me. I mean, there's all these things we project. In inquiry, we say, well, I wonder why he didn't want to respond to me. And there's, it's almost never what we think. Totally. Right? (laughs) Maybe he was afraid, right? (laughs) Of being that vulnerable. I mean, it's just our mind our, our mind ego identity construct is so limited and so self-oriented. And that's why this practice of inquiry gets us out of those projections onto whatever situation to make it 
about whatever our ego thinks it's about. Yeah, totally. Well, so what's the difference that you've seen bringing just this kind of curiosity and inquiry um, into sex? Like, how does it uh, play out? Give me uh, right. <laughs> the details, Kyle. <laughs> oh, great. Well, I mean, how many times have you been having sex and then made a projection onto what was happening and never asked? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the, the thing is, is people can feel where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, if we're having sex and I get into a vulnerable place and I just say, how is that feeling to you? And you can trust me enough to know that I'm really interested. Or how is this feeling? Yeah, it's to not you? like, please tell me that it's good. It's actually like, I'm genuinely curious. Oh, how do you feel about that? What's your experience of that? And then the, if the other person's in an inquiry, oh, I hadn't been paying attention to what that felt like. Wow, this feels kind of dirty. Oh, and then instead of like projecting onto that, like, oh, you usually don't, how does the dirty feel? Right? Right. You don't make the dirty mean it's good or bad or right or wrong. Right. How, how does that oh, feel? Dirty. What's that like? Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But it also translates into, it, it can also be nonverbal. Like, I, I remember a few months ago, I was having sex with somebody. And, you know, just in, in one session over, you know, 20 or 30, or I mean, two hours. No. Yeah. <laughs> 20 or 30 Listen, Kyle, no, no judgments here. <laughs> I just, <laughs> so there, you know, the, we, there was actually four different flavors. At, at one moment, it was tender. And then you could just feel the energy shift that like a totally different feeling. All of a sudden, there was all rough and dirty. And then another one is is like where the other person wanted to submit. And then there was a time when when I wanted to go into the sub. So there's, you know, the more open we are to not knowing, not knowing how sex should be, Mm -hmm. the more we can feel for the collaborative. In, Mm -hmm. In inquiry method, identify levels of consciousness. And the fourth level of consciousness, well, the, the first level I call needs. The second level I call exchange, which is I'll do for you if you do for me. So we can have I'll do for you if you do for me sex. <laughs> At the third level, it is inspired by somebody's wanting or desire. But at fourth level consciousness, I call it the want for us. And that's when we both have the vision of something larger than us that we're working for together. So it, it's collaborative. So the sex I'm describing is collaborative sex, which is wanting to co-communicate about an idea that's larger than any one person. So that is like oh. that level of consciousness is collaborative. And, and so you could, you could say, I just want to have sex that feels so tender and intimate or sex that feels transcendent. How do we feel? You know, I've had times in sex, even just like laying on the beach with somebody and touching just lightly where I've gone, you know, full universe, right? You know, transcendent feeling. So, but the problem is each level of consciousness can be pulled down. So if one person's carrying shame, they, you know, which tends to be at the exchange level of consciousness, I'll do for you if you do for me. Right. 
is you can't meet at collaborative consciousness, right? You have to meet at exchange level comp consciousness, which has to do with forms and ideas about things and that. But at fourth level consciousness, we're saying, what's the thing we really want to um, can imagine together and how do we work toward that larger thing? But it has to be transpersonal, meaning that I'm more interested in engaging in what we're doing, working for it together than in getting something out of it for myself. Well, why do I do that? Because it's amazing. It's better than it's just amazing. getting what I want. Getting what yeah. we want is better than getting what I want, mm -hmm. you know, and all those things. But we have to do the work at each level of consciousness and be able to identify the level of consciousness to, to at any given moment, be able to do that. Yeah. And levels of consciousness are not fixed. Like nobody gets a level four brand of consciousness on their forehead. It's, more, you know, it's just in a certain moment when the conditions are, when we've set up the conditions right, is that we have access to that. Like we do right now. Like we're working for something together. You right. and I aren't bringing our personal, oh, I feel bad today or something. We're saying, hey, yeah. what can we create together that will impact? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That experience, I love the way you break down those levels of how shame keeps us in and at the exchange level. I'm I'm really seeing my sex in my 20s just from like a whole, you know, I spent a decade or more having exchange level sex. Because I was so conditioned, you know, I had so much conditioning around my sexuality and so, right. so many layers of shame, you know. And so now it feels like I, I've definitely touched the fourth level with certain partners, you know. But most, like, I, I think the sex I've had, you know, for the past few years, like, it's like definitely third, what did you call it? Um, the third level of consciousness moving into the fourth but that's really the thing i'm like seeking and aren't we uh, all <laughs> i mean it's really i don't know i mean for me i mean it's just a path of surrender you know the deeper i surrender um then the more that that experience is available to me but the more i try to go after it you know it's not available <laughs> right no i, I yeah, but that's because going after it when so you know I know in in our community we talk a lot about desire and desire driven and I think that's so important and I'm going to generalize it's certainly not specifically true but men tend to be more okay with third level consciousness mean just saying what they want mm -hmm. and women tend to in general tend to gravitate around exchange level consciousness is what's right and what should be done and fairness and exchange. Like I'll give myself away to you. I'll do what you want, right? Mm -hmm. Level of consciousness. And desire is so important for women because that breaks them out of the exchange level consciousness. We need to treat teach women right. to go for what they want because you can't access fourth level consciousness. Now, it's much easier for women to rest in fourth level consciousness than men because men are so attached to third level consciousness. I just want to have what I want, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I even, I, I feel that each level of consciousness has kind of a gender gravity 
you know, that there is a natural resting place that alternates as you go up the level of consciousness. So fourth level consciousness tends to be more accessible to the feminine. And that's why we need feminine leaders, because the feminine tends to think more about the collective good than the individual good. Mm -hmm. So I know if I can get a woman to get to third level consciousness of saying what she wants, it's not very long before what she wants is what's best for everybody, but um, not as a form of sacrifice, right? So I want women leaders. Men are asshole leaders because they just go after what they want. What? We want women as leaders because they naturally gravitate to, to selfishly mm. wanting everybody to get along and everybody to be served and everybody to be taken care of. It's a much more natural place for wow. the feminine. It's just... Kyle, I feel so validated on the journey that I'm on, you know, because <laughs> it's like I have done so much work to get into the third level, you know, <laughs> like that alone, I mean, is life changing. And then, yeah, I do feel like I have more and more of these moments of being in the fourth level, you know, that's right. And, and thank you for what you're saying about feminine leaders. Fuck yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it's insane. I mean, I think it's insane that we don't have, you know, I've, I've studied the Sioux uh, Native Americans mm -hmm. in, in some interesting ways. And I think it's so interesting because there would be a tribe of a, a group of elders that were men and they would meet and decide things. Right. Yeah. But there was also a group of women. And this is the way I imagine it. The, the warriors all get together and the, the tribe of elders and leaders and they say, oh, those guys dissed us. You know, we're going to go start war on them. Let's, let's go yeah. to battle next week and get everything together. And they go, yeah, we'll do that. And then they all go home and they cuddle in their teepees with their wives and they tell them the plan. We're going to go to war. And, the, and their wives say, you know, that's wonderful. I love how brave and courageous you are. But did you notice we're running low on buffalo tongues? Maybe we should go get some buffalo tongues and, <laughs> and stock up and maybe you guys can go to war next year. And so all the guys get together again next day and one of them says, you know, I was thinking last night, you know, we're kind of low on buffalo tongues. Let's go get some buffalo and we'll go get those guys next year. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this whole, I feel like I'm going on a whole ride with you. Right. It's such, that's such a beautiful point <laughs> that like that women just have this you know have this ability to create the collective experience like women women were um i was gosh when was it earlier this summer you know i went on a profound mushroom trip with some of my girlfriends and one of the things that we got from it was like the power of women as gatherers it's like mm. gathering all the supplies, creating the experience, you know, creating yes. something from nothing. And that is exactly what you're talking about. Like this having just not just our eyes, but like a felt sense for the collective experience. A absolutely. And it's just like when we can imagine that, then we move it forward. I mean, what does our world need more than that is like this understanding and awareness of the collective experience oh planet-wide and all our leaders are like well how are we going to get more money out of that or other you know mm -hmm. and i mean the thing we're desperately in need of is somebody saying hey wait a minute 
And then, you know, all the want for me, people say, oh, that's socialism. Well, forms of government also apply to levels of consciousness. At, mm -hmm. at level two consciousness, shame and all that stuff, yeah, you get communism, which is, you know, <laughs> just capitalism in the guise of, <laughs> of a different guise. But the yeah. true idea of how can we create a context that creates everybody getting what they need yeah. without rescuing or saving anybody, but how do we create a world where everybody gets the, what they need that's sustainable, that serves everybody, not to rescue or to pander to people, but really create a context so that we can all enjoy our lives and get what we need and have this amazing playground for us all to live on, because that's yeah. what's possible. Totally, totally. Yeah, this reminds me of the um, the prime minister of New Zealand. I don't know if you, I'm forgetting what her name is like Jacinda. I forget her last name. Uh -huh. I, I don't know. Just watching her leadership throughout mm. the pandemic mm. has been the most inspiring thing, you know, and it's like this is a country that has this totally figured out <laughs> because we just had a woman that spoke to people like humans, you know, it's like, right. oh, here's what like doing she's doing facebook lives you know to to the entire country like in people's homes you know she's just totally human about it and she has this way of really getting people on board with like this is how we can take care of each other that's right you know and well, so and people give a shit that's right that's right um, or you know in bhutan gross national happiness you know why don't we just create the different measurement? We're only measuring by GDP. I mean, if we, what what's measured grows. So, I mean, if we started actually measuring and, and assessing leaders by the happiness that they create or the abundance that they, you know, of joy or, or playfulness or health or all these things, but we only measure by money. So that's the result yeah. we get is we have a culture run by money. Yeah, where you put your attention grows that is what like you measure in fact yeah what you measure grows right totally yeah that's been one of my biggest learnings from doing this work just like putting it putting attention and mm -hmm. actually acknowledging growth and seeing it that's right okay yeah. i want to go on a total side tangent <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh uh -oh. i'll get ready okay all right um, we don't have too much time, but I am so curious. These are just the kinds of conversations that come out of Kyle. We were getting on the call before this and, you know, we were just shoot, shooting around a couple of topics and he mentioned something about um, sperm and women's bodies and just the implications of this. And I don't know the right question to ask, but I have to know like, I guess what I want my listeners to know is that Kyle just knows a lot of things about a lot of things. <laughs> and so now this is the portion of the interview where I'm just like, oh, Kyle, tell me about this random thing that you know um, about, yeah, sperm and, and yeah, women's bodies and just what you're learning about that. <laughs> okay, well, I want to put in a disclaimer because okay. this could be slightly disturbing or maybe even more than slightly disturbing information to certain people. So if you prefer not to be disturbed, tune out <laughs> and just find me at life at altitude.com. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's the, so this came together by putting together three pieces of information. 
I had a teacher, I, he's still my teacher, but I studied with him in India and he's a, a yogic uh, a philosophy teacher. And he said something that I didn't really understand or it was hard to believe years ago. And he, he was giving a talk and he said, you wanna be careful with sex because a woman's body prepares her genetics for the man she has sex with the first time she has sex. I said, oh, this sounds like Indian stuff. And he's got a lot of things that I've proven true, even scientifically lately. I said, oh, that's interesting. So then I, a few years ago, I, I like to read scientific articles from time to time. And this one came out that I thought should have been on the front of the New York Times. I think it's so amazing. And they were doing brain research and, and studying brains genetically, and they kept having these errors and finding different DNA of these corpses. So they did a little sidetrack and they found, they started finding foreign DNA in women's brains. Huh. And by tracing this back, they discovered that a certain percentage of the sperm, like 40 to 60% of the sperm that a woman is exposed to, sperm are amazing penetrators. So they actually penetrate not just the egg, but all tissues. And that the sperm actually penetrate nasally, orally, vaginally, wherever. And when they get into the body, those are little DNA packets that actually penetrate into the woman's body. And so they were finding in these women's corpses and brains that there was 40 to 60% of the sperm that they've been exposed to and different men actually penetrated into their brain. And I'm just like, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. Oh. And so then I was at the Oregon Country Fair and I was fortunate because Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief, was speaking there. And I just happened to drop into his talk and he was talking about a similar study that they were studying women's livers and they started to find foreign DNA. And what they found is that when a woman has a child, that the child's DNA is left in their body. Mm. And so that women carry their children's DNA in their body. And he said, that's why women's intuition about their children, he says that, you know, and I, there's not scientific proof for this, but this is what his theory is, is that DNA is like a little radio, uh, radio crystal that creates communication between, because we all know that mothers and children have special communication. And he says that the DNA is a resonant frequency. So I put that together and I know, you know, and many women have reported to me that there's a special connection with anybody that they have sex with. Yeah. And I know, you know, even though I'm not with my son's mother, is I know that there's a special connection between her and me because we've had children together. And, and you know, I, again, I can't prove it, but I'm putting together all these pieces. And I think that there's something significant, really significant going on here that we don't necessarily honor in maybe the way that that might be appropriate. And just yeah. that, we, you know, I think there's a way that we all know that sex is more significant than like a pillow fight or wrestling or <laughs> yeah. you know, playing on a playground or something. And, and there's just, you know, and I love sex and I've, you know, I've had a lot of sex with a lot of different partners throughout my life, but I also know that there is, you know, depending on the level and what decisions you make, that there is significance to those acts. And, and, 
and to, to kind of look into through inquiry what the significance and meaning uh, mm-hmm. of doing that really is for you and noticing the impact it has and, and how that impacts us. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, you know, I love this because I hear, like, I know that you're a pretty sexually free man, you know, and, and I really hear in this conversation, um, a conversation just about reverence and really honoring your body, you know, and I'm just thinking about like the you know, in my work with women, you know, sometimes women that work with me take on like a casual sex practice. And that's actually like a huge breakthrough for them to say, oh, you know, I want this, you know, and, and I'm always checking in with them about, you know, what, what does your body want? What does your heart want? What do you need to take really good care of yourself in this? You know, because the last thing we want is like for women to lose themselves, you know? It's like be sexually free and honor your body and your spirit. Yeah, you know, and and for me, I think that we pick up the energy of everyone we expose ourselves to. And the more vulnerable, I mean, sexually, I mean, even in my own practice over the years, I started to whittle it down to only oming with people whose energy I actually wanted in my system. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, for a long time, I was just all oh, alone with anybody, and then it just got clearer and clearer to me that I, I actually wanted not just to deal with everybody's energy, but deal with energy that was bright and fun and alive, and you know, it's so intimate a practice, and to call it non-intimate is inappropriate for me, at least. And, just, and for those of you who uh, I, I know, we said it earlier in the episode. But just as a reminder, OMING stands for orgasmic meditation, which is a partnered consciousness practice that both Kyle and I practice. So just as a reminder, in case people forgot or aren't familiar with it. Yeah, it's taking on somebody's energy. Yeah. And bringing it into your space. Yeah, and, and we do it all the time. So and yeah. inquiry is an amazing way to really shift that. Because like if, if you're coming in you know, to a situation, I don't know, however you're feeling, whatever energy you're bringing, it's amazing to say how you're feeling. And if we already established that context, you say, actually, I'm feeling really frustrated or whatever. And I said, oh, what are you frustrated about? And that, that practice of intimacy can actually dissipate that energy. And all of a sudden, once that's gone, now we've got something cleared up. And then there's all this love and connection and all those things that happen, just like, you know, after great sex, you know, there's love and connection. And and inquiry method is really a way to have that intimacy with another, with any other person without actually the sexual aspect. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Totally. Totally. Wow. Uh, so many things to digest and ponder in this conversation. I am just, uh, I'm just beside myself. I love, I just love everything that came out here. <laughs> Um, and so I want to just leave people, um, with knowing, uh, any, anything that you want to share that's coming up, you know, in your business or, um, that you want to share about your work in the world. That's great. You know, on my website, I site, I actually have a membership group, uh, that the two meetings a week, and it's just, we do inquiry on a weekly basis oh, cool. and it's a low, low membership fee. First calls free. And 
you know, it's just a wonderful community. Everybody says, I got on feeling heavy and I left feeling light. And there's just so much love. And yeah. when anybody does work, everybody does work. And, you know, it's a great place to learn about it. Mm. Uh, our our mutual friend, Amy Batuski is just one of my dear people. And she uses, you know, and she tells everybody this, but, you know, she got trained in inquiry method and uses it and encourages everybody to learn it. And, uh, you know, I really think for any coach, you know, if you want to take your practice to the next level, I just say, come learn this. It's the simplest, hardest thing you ever did. And <laughs> as far as, you know, getting the results and really connecting with people and and having clients that are just on the move, it is it is the WD-40 to every coaching situation. It's just, it, it's amazing. It just lubricates everything and makes everything so simple and easy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm starting, you know, this will be, you know, the, when the show is published, it already have happened, but I'm doing an inquiry training. But if you're interested, you know, uh, as soon as we get enough interest, we'll start another training uh, for coaches, but it, it, everybody and anybody benefits from, from learning inquiry method. Go to my website, lifeataltitude.com. Life at Altitude is a book on, on Amazon, Stop Parenting, is a wonderful perspective on parenting. Uh, there's so many applications. To, it's kind of like baking soda, you know. Yeah, just, uh, it's good for everything. Spill it, <laughs> spill it all over your life. Oh my That's God, right. parents, I love it. Um, and so what's the best way for people to get in touch? Is it your website? Yeah, uh, lifeataltitude.com. And there's a info uh, sign up sheet. You can find membership there. Actually, I've got over 500 blogs I've written on there of every topic for free. There's videos. There's online courses there. There's there's a whole uh, whole bunch of stuff for anybody that's interested. Amazing. Well, I might see if we can find a link to uh, something about the levels of consciousness that we can put in the show notes. Oh, that that'd be great. Let's actually, okay. yeah, I, 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 there's a course on there, the levels of consciousness. So maybe oh, I'll just yeah. make, if we talk to Colleen, we'll make that available to your readers for free instead of paying for the course. And we, you could just post a link to it. I think that's oh, possible. So. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. If you want to do that, then uh, if you're interested in taking Kyle's course for free, look in the show notes and then we'll put all the information you need to be able to do that. Uh, amazing. Kyle, thank you so much for your generosity and your love um, and your curiosity. I just adore you. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> just to really enjoy being here with you. And I really appreciate what, a, what an inspiring show you have. Oh, thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.